0: joy and we thank you Lord God for 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 the blessings of our nation for continue Lord to pour out your blessings upon us we thank
1: you Lord That you give us liberty, Lord, in Jesus Christ today, Father. We thank you that you set us free from the bondage of sin, Lord. Father, free to live a life and to serve you, Lord God. Father, fill this place with your glory. Be glorified as we lift our song to you. As we worship and honor you, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: We're the of- A road park with suffering the a trade in the offering Thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus, to us as people, to us as a church, as a country. Hallelujah, you've been so good! Hallelujah, your mercy never fails. We can testify this morning, all our days. That through you we are more than victorious, and you have made us overcomers in your name. Thank you, Jesus. All we have to do is call on you, Lord. God is so much.
0: thank you, you are faithful and you are greater than any mountain every difficulty, any circumstance there's nothing that you cannot bring us through there's nothing that you cannot carry us over, your grace is sufficient, your mercies are new every morning and your faithfulness is great and we lean and we trust in you knowing that you're a good and faithful God, you'll never fail us, you'll never forsake us The work you began, you said you will complete it. We thank you, Lord, that surely that goodness and mercy, it will follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord for us. Mm. We love you and praise you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of living in this great country. We thank you for your prosperity and your peace. We thank you for your protection. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in a country we can worship you as we see fit, that we can live according to the dictates of your word. We thank you, Lord, that surely you have poured out an abundance of mercy and grace upon this land. And we pray, O God, as your people, as the redeemed of the Lord, Help us to live as salt and light. Help us to live in a way that blesses this land, that blesses this country, that keeps your smile abiding upon us, that keeps the grace of God heavy upon us. Help us, Lord, to do our part as believers, that your blessing might remain, yea, and increase upon this land. Keep us from deviating down the wrong path. Keep us from listening to the wrong philosophy. Help your people be bold as they stand for that which is biblical and true. Help your people to never be ashamed to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord and to live a life that properly represents the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you for this land and we pray, oh God, do a fresh work in this land. Do a fresh work in this land. Do a fresh work in this land. Let a great harvest of souls be gathered into this land. Let a fresh outpouring of the Spirit be released upon this land. Turn us from vileness, perversion, and wickedness. Turn us from deception and denial of the truth. And help us as your people to be bright and shining lights, holders out of the true hope of the gospel. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, let's give him a praise. Oh, he's a great God. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. And he's been good. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Isn't God good? Amen. There's a time to curse the darkness. There's a time to shine the light. Amen? And let us never get too extreme on either side. We attack that which is wrong, but we got to express that which is right. we got to walk in that love. Show the gospel. Amen? Show Christianity. You know, I keep reading in Titus, and he's, he's encouraging people in different places in life. He says, make the gospel attractive. Live in such a way where actually the gospel is an attractive thing to the lost. Amen? He's talking about families. He's talking about being on the job. He says, live in such a way where those around you that aren't believers actually see the gospel as being attractive. I said, wow, Lord, help us to do that. Amen? Let's live as believers with such a love for Jesus and such a Christ-likeness that people are going to see that and say, yeah, there's something there. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, um, Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Glory to God. Sister Amy is ready to go. There they go. All right, look at that good-looking group. All right. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We are so blessed this morning to have Sam and Shelly Bowden with us. Um, you know, are, are from the Philippines, but they're, they're never away too long because this is their home church. and This is where mom and dad worship. And we, we just love them. We're so thankful to have them. And um, let's give a big God bless you as we get ready to receive the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, Brother Sam. And, and I'll just I'll do my one commercial. If you haven't, get your communion elements. They're in the back. Because Brother Sam, after he preaches, he's going to take us right into communion. Amen. Right. Thank you, Pastor. So
1: I don't have one. So good to be here with you today. Always good to be at Pleasant Grove. Always good to be home. As your pastor said, we're missionaries in Southeast Asia. We live in the Philippines. Uh, we've actually served, most of y'all know, but some of you may not, we've served there for now about 30 years. So first in Thailand, Laos, actually it has been, it's not about, it's been 30 years, uh, back when I had brown hair. But uh, we've served uh, first in Thailand, then Laos for nine years, and we've been in the Philippines uh, now for 14 years, and we thank God for all that he has done. Uh, we're serving now in the Assemblies of God with, uh, as area directors for Southeast Asia, uh, helping to give leadership to our missionaries in the countries of the Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, Indonesia, uh, Timor-Leste, Brunei, I feel like I missed one somehow, but in those six nations. And we thank God for that. There's actually 420 million people that live there. About 100 million more people than live in the United States lives in those six countries. Most of them live outside the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of them live outside any kind of a church or any kind or expression or community. There's actually places and towns and cities where no Christian has ever lived because no one has ever gone. We thank God that he is allowing us to work in that part of the world to see the gospel go forward. And I'm so thankful I tell you that the gospel is going forward. Uh, there's people living in places today. We were just with a Filipino, we could call them home missionaries, I guess, are still within the Philippines that have gone to southern Philippines working and living amongst Muslim tribes and people and Muslim people that there's, there's never ever been a Christian in the history of the church, never been a Christian, live in that town. But yet they're there today, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing the love of Christ, as the pastor said, and making the gospel attractive. To those who need to hear it we thank them for each one of those part of our responsibilities as area directors is now we come home every june to be part of training uh, for new missionaries that are going to the field and and part of the commissioning uh, of new families we're thankful we just commissioned five new families that are coming to our area we are excited about god is going to do in these new missionaries coming to us but part of that each time we uh, come this far to the united states we of course have to come see mama Can't come without making a stop in at Florida, and so we're doing that now, and we'll be going back on the 10th of this month, going back to the Philippines, and I'd like Shelly to to greet you and also give you an update on Jay this morning.
3: You know, there's something about a home church, and this church is the one that's been with us through the highs, the lows, celebrated babies when they came, and then they celebrate them when they graduated, and they continue to celebrate them. We're so excited. Um, Mary Kate, our youngest, is getting married Um, in a few months here and um, Jay you've been praying for him you've been praying for him for months and months um, for his cancer and I just want to give you an update they'll actually be here this next weekend so you'll get to see them and and I know you'll want to greet them too but God has brought him to a point and he's finished his chemotherapy finished three rounds of radiotherapy at the end of May and at this point we're trusting God that this will be the end of his journey and that we'll turn a page on this chapter in his story. And I just ask that you've been praying for him. And now we just want to pray, God, make it stick. You know, would, would there just be no more cancer? We just want to say goodbye to cancer in his story. And that's part of you being our home church. We know you're there praying for us. We know that you're, you're behind us. And I see so many new faces here that you've made this your home as well. And if we haven't met you, come up and say hi. You know, also for those of you who, who have been around with us for so long, you may have a prayer card that's out of date. We have new prayer cards with new pictures, new information on the back, so we want to give those to you today, too. And just want to tell you how much it means to us to be part of the family, and we love you all so much. Amen.
1: So good to be here, share the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to the book of Luke chapter 8 verses 22 to 25. Uh, if you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen for you this morning and again, it's just so good uh, to be here and to just be in Florida and to share the Word of God this morning. In preparation for this Sunday, I felt led to speak this morning on navigating life's unexpected storms. There's certainly storms that come our way in our life that we never expect that come our way, and they just come, whether we want them to or not. Let's look at the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 22. We're going to read for the New International Version. It reads, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked each other, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word today that can speak into our lives. And, Father, we also thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in our lives. And, God, it's my prayer today that as we look into your word, Father, as your Holy Spirit ministers to our, ministers to our hearts, God, that you would change us. God, we, we want to be drawn closer to you. Father, open up our understanding. Father, bring healing. Father, to our hearts, God, bring a word, Father, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that when we leave here today, God, we will leave here changed and different than we were when we came in. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but a few years ago, actually, when our kids were still in high school, we were living in the Philippines, and it was one of those times, and it was rare, because it's not that often, I traveled a lot, and I still Traveled a lot. Back then, I would travel around the Philippines to different things, and Shelley typically was always at home with the kids. But there was an event taking place down in Rojas City, which is right in the middle of our country, where there was a, a ladies' conference taking place where uh, our superintendent's wife was gathering 300 ladies from around the country of the Philippines, leaders within the Assemblies of God. These WM leaders and women's ministry leaders and women pastors were gathering there for a conference. And they had invited Shelley to come down and minister in that conference and also to minister in song. And I was doing my best to keep the house together as dads do whenever the wives are gone. I was doing the meals and the lunches and everything. And I remember one morning I had the kids up. This would have been on a, a Thursday morning. And, and you have, one thing, if you know and followed us or you know much about the Philippines, we have a lot of storms. Every year we have typhoons. It's not really, each year, it's not a matter of if we're going to have a typhoon, it's when we're going to have a typhoon, and where is that typhoon going to go? Even early this year, we just a few weeks ago, we had a huge storm, and praise the Lord, it stayed off of our coast. It came right up to the coast, and kind of worked back around, and we thank the Lord for that, that it didn't come ashore. But we have typhoons, they gather, and we know they're coming, but we don't really, rarely know where they're going. But I remember that Thursday morning, I was getting the kids ready for school, and, and I had the, the news on, and... And as the news was going, they started talking about this storm that was coming. And we have a lot of storms, like I said, and a lot of times we ignore them. I don't know what it is, if it's the the Filipino culture or just the way we roll. We tend to ignore them until the last minute. So we knew a storm was coming, but didn't really know where. But then they started talking. And as this meteorologist was talking, I could tell that he was, was something serious in his voice. And then I heard the words when he said, this storm has the possibility of being the strongest storm ever recorded in history. This is a hurricane, what we in Florida call a hurricane, we call them typhoons on, in Asia. But the strongest hurricane ever recorded in history, my mind, flipped back to 1992. A lot of you weren't alive in 1992, but those of you that were, will remember what Andrew, the storm did to South Florida as it ripped across Florida. And that was a strong storm, but this guy was saying, the storm that's coming to the Philippines is stronger than that storm. And so it got my attention. And I looked on, on the, uh, then I, I looked it up googled it or looked up online where's this storm going and i i noticed as the projected path of this storm was going it was it was going to go right over Roja city where shelly is and so i got the kids took them to school and i was in the car And so i call her on the cell phone i'm sitting in traffic and i used to sit in traffic for hours and hours so i had plenty of time to call but i'm sitting in traffic and i I call her, and I tell her, I said, yo, there's a storm coming. And she gave me the typical Filipino answer. She says, yeah, but it's going somewhere else. I said, no, it's not. It's going to go right over you in Rojas City. And I said, in this storm, it's supposed to be the strongest storm ever recorded in history. You need to get out of Rojas City. So I told her, I said, you get to the airport. Rojas has a small airport, and it has probably two, three flights a day. I said, you go to that airport, and you get on the next airplane and come back to Manila. She paused on the other end of the phone. And then she said, and she said, said uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not used to her doing that, so it kind of shocked me a little bit. I gathered myself and said, what do you mean you're not going to do that? She said, I'm here with 300 ladies. She said, we have a credit card. We've got resources. I can get to the airport, get on an airplane, probably can do that. She said, but these are the 300. They're not going to be able to do that. She said, I'm staying. And then she said, which really kind of cut me a little bit, she said, you would do the same thing. And I said, you're right, I would. And I thought, well, I remember even getting a piece about it in the, in the car in traffic because I was in the anxieties started to ease a little bit. I remember thinking, you know, if you're going to face the strongest storm in history, you want to do it with 300 Pentecostal women. Amen. You want to have that on your side. And they did, and she, the storm came, and it was a horrific storm, horrific as it came across, and Tacloban first, in the middle part of the country, and, and it was just horrific, the storm surge that came, and the devastation that it caused, and then it goes over Roja City, and the way modern things are, I can remember that that morning, that Friday morning looking, <laughs> watching it on radar, and thankfully the Lord Made it so to her, even when they lost electricity, they still had a cell tower that runs off of a uh, battery. So she could still text me and give me updates. And, of course, they did what anybody would do when a storm is coming. They had church. They were all there. They couldn't go anywhere. So they had church like they had planned on the schedule. And in her testimony, Shelly could tell you better than I how the storm came. And it, it eventually became so ferocious. And back then, the, the back of the church was open. It was a big sanctuary. It probably can hold eight, 900, maybe a 1,000 people in there, but it's just walls, and the back is open, and, and the roof is open, and, and she said things were coming in, they kind of scooted their chairs away, and when it got to where there was only nothing but wind and wind whirling the back of the church, they went into a side room, which they used for like a fellowship area, a closed-in room, and really probably the only big closed-in room they have, and all three of them gathered there and they waited out that storm. One well, thing about that storm in that church, and i told people before, you, know, I've prayed for church buildings in all kinds of phases, i prayed for them before they had been built, I prayed for them while they were being built. I've dedicated and prayed for them after they were done, but I've never prayed harder than I did for First Assembly Roja City, that it would stand. And it did, it stood. And as they gathered in that side room, and there were windows in that room that faced the street, and as it was, of course, that's a dangerous thing, and as it turned out, as that storm went over and it finally passed, and they came out, they realized that every window in that church was burst out except for that room where they were. God has kept, kept his hand on And then we had to figure out, after that, then we had another challenge after the storm went over, of course, clean up, electricity's out, food supplies get scarce, airports wrecked this is how we're going to get her off Rojas City, or off Panay Island, or Rojas. But thankfully, the, the, it was a, it's a big island, and she was able to go south, and the pastor Ray, took he and some of the other ladies down south, and they got on a flight about three days later back to us in Manila. Completely unexpected. But you went to that conference and planned that conference, and Sister Zenaida, our superintendent's wife, planned that conference. They had no idea that the strongest storm in history was going to roll over the Philippines. Completely unexpected. See, life happens that way. There's things that come our way that we don't see coming. We don't even know that it's going to come, and yet storms come our way. These type of storms are never, never expected. If they had, if I might not have let her go to Rojas City. They would have certainly canceled it beforehand if we'd have known this storm was going to come over, but we had no idea. See, all of us go through in this life will face unexpected storms. Storms that come our way that we seem to have no control over when they come. Sometimes we don't seem to have any control over where those storms are taking us. But yet we look at the event that took place in the lives of these disciples. The life of Jesus as they facing this storm, and we can learn what they learned that day. See, the storm that they're in that day, it was a a storm that was natural to that sea. The Sea of Galilee had these type storms all the time. The Sea of Galilee, because of its geography, it's, it's like in a big bowl between mountains. It's 200 meters below sea level. It's in a big hole. And because of that, cold waters are flowing into that lake, and Hot air is coming off of it, off of the desert, and because of that, violent storms are created there. It was sheer geography in where they existed. See, where we live at times can be prone to storms. This life that we live around us, because of the, the world that we live in, because we live in a world that's tainted by sin, we're going to have storms that come our way. Even when they're doing everything right, or you're doing everything right, even when you're doing the best you can, these storms can still come. These storms can still come. See, the disciples, they're doing everything right. They're serving Jesus. He tells them to get in the boat, go to the other side of the lake. They do what he says. They get in the boat. They start rowing. They're doing all they can. And even though they're doing everything right, everything they've done, what, done what Christ told them to do, he told them to get in the boat. We're going to the other side of the lake. Even so, they're being obedient to him, doing what he's called them to do. Serving Him left their family, left their jobs, left everything behind to follow after Him, doing the best they can to serve Him. They still find themselves in the midst of the storm. We may think, like the disciples, if Jesus is with us and we're rowing the boat and doing what He says, nothing bad will certainly happen. No storms will come our way. We live here in Plant City. We live in a beautiful place. You may Come to this church regularly, you pay your tithes, you're generous, you give to missions, but yet we still find ourselves at times in the midst of life's storm. In the midst of this storm of the disciples, we see Jesus in the midst of this storm. What is he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. The gospel writer doesn't tell us where he's sleeping in the boat. I'm guessing there must have been some place he could get some cover. So I'm not sure how you sleep through a squall, but Jesus is sleeping in that boat. The noise, the rain, all that's going on didn't wake him up. And I've wondered in thinking about this, his ability to sleep, I'm wondering if it may be also connected to where, how he grew up. Jesus is a village person. In my time in Southeast Asia, I have slept in my fair share of villages. And one thing about villages is they are never quiet. Never. They're not quiet. People that live that close together with each other, have their animals that close together, they are not quiet. I have spent many a sleepless night in Southeast Asia listening to chickens. I don't know if it's just Asian chickens, but they don't wait for the sun to rise. They just yell all night long. And I also noticed in my time in Laos that just like my my granddaddy actually did the same thing back in his day, uh, but the best time to slaughter a hog is 3 a.m. I don't know why. <laughs> but early in the morning, so I've, I've been woke to many a hog not wanting to go the way they're going. <laughs> Yelling, making noise. But I've also noticed that in those villages that many nights, I'm the only one that's awake. The villagers, they get used to the noise. They get used to the commotion. They get used to all the things that go on around them because they're raised around that kind of noise and around that kind of people around those chickens crowing, around those pigs being slaughtered at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. They're used to that, and they can sleep where I can't. Of course, I discovered the, the wonder of earplugs some years ago. I don't ever travel without them. Put those plugs in, I can sleep. But Jesus had been raised in this kind of commotion. It could be that it just, he just didn't get woke up. He could just sleep through most anything because he grew up in village life. But also, Jesus lived a life that was at peace at all times. So even this violent storm couldn't move him. This violent storm didn't concern him. This violent storm didn't didn't make him nervous in any way. This violent storm didn't affect him to the fact that, that he was losing sleep. He was confident that just as he had told his disciples, we're going to the other side of the lake. Regardless of what happens, come what may, we're making it to the other side. In the midst of life's storms, you know, how confident are we? You have peace in your life. I must admit that sleep is one of those things when I'm facing a storm that leaves me first. We're going through difficulties, challenges. There are times when I just can't sleep. But Jesus slept because he had confidence. He lived at peace with his father. He knew that no matter what that leg threw at them, that they were going to make it to the other side. What causes you to lose sleep, lose peace of heart, somebody sick in body in your family, sick in body yourself, financial pressures, broken relationships with family members, all of these storms can cause us to lose confidence we pray that we can live in confidence just as jesus did we have confidence and have peace knowing that as we're going through these things that we can handle life storms because he is at peace he can handle those life storms the disciples finally come to the realization they got jesus in the boat see they're working themselves they're paddling against that that battle. And and we notice from the story, as soon as this storm started, they didn't wake Jesus up. They tried to fight that storm in their own ability. These were experienced fishermen. This was not a new lake for them. This is their home lake. This is their place. This is where they made their livelihood. They've got Peter, they've got Andrew, they've got James and John. These are experienced fishermen. This is their home spot. They're comfortable here. This storm that comes up, you know, they they don't wake up Christ at the beginning of this storm. They don't wake him up just as it starts and say, Jesus, we need some help here. Jesus, you want to take care of this storm? But instead, these men, they try to do it on their own. Maybe they just didn't want to bother Jesus. They thought they could handle it. But they waited until the last moment when their boat is being swamped, when they're so scared that they're going to die. They turn to Jesus. So many times we do the same in our own lives. We try to handle things ourselves. I can handle this. I know how things are supposed to go. I can handle this. I can take care of this storm. I've got talents, abilities, resources. Time and time again, I've seen people struggle in the storms of life struggle in the storms of life, paddling and, and rolling their boat and working to their, to their greatest bit against this storm, never one time turning to Jesus. Never one time turning to him until all else seems to fail. Until they're completely at the end of their rope, completely out of resources, other things, then they turn to Christ. You see, Jesus has been in their boat the whole time. Jesus had been in their boat before, when they left shore and said, we're going to the other side. He got down, was tired, I suppose, laid down, went to sleep. He was there. The disciples, in their desperation and fear, they they turn to Jesus and they wake him up. They realize if they continue in this storm that they're going to drown. There's no way they're going to survive. They wake him up and say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. We're going to drown. Jesus, upon being woke up, he gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves. In just a few words, he calms the seas. In just a few words, he calms the waves. And the scripture tells us that immediately everything goes calm. Immediately everything goes calm. Instantly everything changes at the spoken words of Jesus. And then he looks at the disciples. And he asked them a question. He says, where is your faith? You see, he had told them they were going to go to the other side of the lake. He told them we're going to get to the other side of the lake, but yet the disciples, in their fear in the midst of this storm, lost hope. They lost hope in what Jesus had said. They lost hope in the fact that they're going to get to the other side of the lake so much so that they were afraid that they were going to drown, that they worried that they were going to die. And Jesus asked them, where is your faith? You see, they didn't really have an understanding when they started out who they had in their boat. See, no matter what storms come our way, we have to have faith that His promises are true. If you've got Jesus in your boat, you have to know that His Word says that He will never leave us, that He will never forsake us. You see, as we face these life storms, we don't do it by ourselves. We don't need to toil like the disciples were doing against that storm and fighting against that storm. What if they had woke up Jesus before they were about to drown? What if they had turned to him in the early part of this storm? The story might have been a little different. But they waited till they are about to go before they turned to Christ. You see, Jesus, in our storms of life that come, he's what we could call, he's our storm stopper. He is the storm stopper. We can ask ourselves the same questions in this this time of, of, of storms that come our way. Where is your faith? See, we serve a Jesus that promised to never leave us, never forsake us. When we walk through these problems, when we walk through these challenges, when we walk through these storms, we don't do it alone. We were never meant to do it alone. We were not created to walk it alone. We were created to serve God. We're created to serve God and to serve the storm stopper. The disciples just amazed, asked themselves, they said, who is this man? Who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Almighty. He is all-powerful. He is our Savior. And he is our storm stopper. If you face storms in your life, realize who you have in the boat. Realize that you've got the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in your boat. Realize that you've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords rowing that boat with you. Know that he is with you, that he is there, and he is there, and he is strong enough and all-powerful enough to handle that storm. There will be storms. There will be storms. There will be challenges. There will be things that we go through in this life. We live in a fallen world, but we live in a world with Jesus. You've got Jesus in your boat. You've got the storm stopper. Some of you here may be feel like you've been bobbing along in life's storm. A lack of purpose, getting battered by the winds, and the waves of your life. I would say you need to have Jesus in your boat. You need to put Jesus in that boat of your life. So I can't imagine. I can't imagine facing those storms. I can't imagine facing that physical storm that Shelly went through in Rojo City if that day, that Friday, we couldn't depend on our Lord. If we couldn't have our faith in him, that he had her in his hand and in his care. And then come what may, he was still Lord. He was all powerful. But at the same time, don't know what we would have done When our 25-year-old son called us and told us he'd been diagnosed with cancer, that a tumor had to be removed, that radiation took place, don't know what we would have done. Don't know what we've done when he'd called us back a year and a half ago, actually less than a year last November, called us again and told us cells had come back in that area. He's going to need to do chemotherapy and then radiation after that. I honestly don't know what we'd have done or how we'd have handled it if Jesus had not been in that boat. If we didn't have the storm stopper, the peace giver in that boat with us. Many of you know I told the story before of walking through with one of our veteran missionaries in the Philippines, a, a dear brother that served for 47 years in the Philippines, and he was well into his 70s when the Lord Took him home, and he had cancer, and of course, he could have come here to the States to get treated, but Dwight's uh, goal in life or his desire was to die and be buried in the Philippines. He was with us. He had given his whole life there. He had never, in 47 years, he had never rented a house. He had never rented an apartment. He had lived for 47 years on the road doing evangelism, sleeping on church floor, sleeping in a Speed the Light van going wherever the Lord would have him to go for 47 years, speaking all five dialects on the islands, being able to preach and teach in all five dialects. An amazing fellow. And he was walking through that cancer and which ended up led to him going to be with the Lord. He and I were talking one day in Manila and he said, you know, he said, I've been wondering why I'm dealing with this now. The Lord had healed him three other times of, of life-threatening diseases in his life. And he said, I'm wondering why I'm dealing with this now? He said, but you know, so I think it must be because of the people that I'm meeting. He went on to explain. He said, you know, he said, I'm meeting people that go through chemotherapy and go through these treatments, people that don't know Jesus. And then he said, can you imagine facing something like this without Christ? Can you imagine facing a storm like that without Christ? He said, it must be God has put me through this so that I can tell them about him. And he did that. He shared the love of Jesus, and prayed with people constantly that were going through those same storms that he was in. And I can't imagine what life would be like facing these storms without Jesus. If you're here today and you'd identify with that, you'd identify with that, feel like you've been bobbing along in in life and you've been doing the best you can, but it seems like no matter what you do, it's not enough. Well, I got to tell you, in your own strength, it will never be enough. But we can only face these life storms. We were created and designed by the Creator to face these life storms with Him. We were not created to walk this earth alone. We were created by Him to walk in fellowship with Him. And if you're not in fellowship with Him, these life storms will swamp you. Will swamp you. Today's the day. Get Jesus in your, in your boat. Get Jesus in your life. Let him do a work in your life. Let him do a work in your life that when you face these storms, you don't face them alone. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, I I thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, oh God, and Father, for the the fact that you are our storm stopper. Lord, I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today, anyone in this congregation, Lord, that that you're not in their boat, Father, and they know that you're not in the boat. They know, Lord, that that they've been trying to struggle in this life and in this world on their own. Lord, I pray, Father, that right now, as I'm praying, God, right now, O Lord, Father, that they would open up, Lord, they would open up their hearts, open up their lives, Father, ask you, Lord, to come into their boat, to come in their boat of life, Lord, to ask you to come, Lord, to forgive of sin, forgive of the things they've done wrong. And Lord, that even now, that today would be the day of turning, the day of turning towards you, the day of turning and following after you, Lord, knowing that from this point on, Lord, they'll no longer bob along, no longer bob along in the challenges of life and the storms of life, but will follow after you. And Lord, they would know that peace which transcends all understanding. Peace, Lord, that only comes from serving you. Peace, Lord, that only comes with you in the boat. That only comes with you in our lives. And God, I pray, Father, for anyone here today, Lord, that that they would be that turn. Today would be that turn they would follow after you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you today and you've prayed that prayer, You made a decision in your heart, you're no longer going to bob along this world, being tossed about on the waves of this world, and you made that decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. Tell somebody today. Tell somebody here in this church. Tell Pastor Zeno. tell me. See, we're not also, we're we're not meant to work out our faith by ourselves. The Lord's quite plain in, in his word and quite plain in the New Testament church that We are supposed to be in fellowship as a family of God. And we're not supposed to forsake the fellowship of coming together. And so this church body is here for you. It's here for you to to walk with you as we walk this faith of following Jesus. I think everyone has the communion elements this morning. If you would take those. So we can do all of this because of what Christ did for us. See, after he calmed the storms and the sea and Jesus and the disciples actually wondered, who was this man? Jesus walked out his life on earth. He performed miracles. He taught. These men had more than just this opportunity on the lake that day to marvel at the power of the Lord and eventually came to the point to where he did what he came to do he willingly went to the cross for our sins he willingly went and died for our sins and we take this element today the bread and the cup we do it to remember what he did for us not only that but this is one of the things that that brings unity to our family we take communion as one. Remember what Christ did for us on that cross. He was arrested. He was beaten. He bore our sins. Made the sacrifice of a perfect, sinless man, 100% man, 100% God. He went to that cross, died for our sins. His body was broken for us. His blood was spilled for us to wash us clean. Today, it's our tradition, our practice here at Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. Every first Sunday of every month, we partake of this, not as a ceremony, but to live in obedience to the word as the first church did it. As Christ told his disciples, and Paul reminds the church in Corinth, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Paul tells the church, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming again. Today, as we take this bread, we do so remembering what the Lord did for us. We take it in unity as his body. As a body of believers, we take this bread and we take this cup, trusting, remembering, and loving him for what he did for us. Father, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this cup. Lord, we just take it today as we take this bread and cup. God, I just pray that, Lord, we would remember what you did for us. Lord, remember what you did for us on the cross, Lord. And and remember, Lord, that because of what you did on the cross, your Holy Spirit works and rests in our life. Lord, you're in the boat with us. You're in our boat. You're there with us as we struggle, as we work. We thank you, Lord. For you know the struggle. You know the pain. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. Let's partake of the bread and cup together. I'd like to open up our altars this morning for prayer.